Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Today we return to our study, Re-Radicalize, from the Sermon on the Mount, and I guarantee you this is going to re-radicalize all of us. I want to remind you of what the bigger flow of the Sermon on the Mount is, first of all. Uh, It's God's big plan. It's Jesus starting out his Jesus movement. And he starts out giving us the values, what we call the Beatitudes. It's the corporate culture of how he wants his followers to live. What style do we live in? And then he gives us the purpose of the church. We're salt and light. We're just not darn right people that just know it all. But we are people that emanate and influence our culture and our world around us. Then he gives us the morals that we studied in chapter five, which are uh, the fact that it's just not outward behavior, but it's the change of the heart. It's, It's living from the inside out, morally and ethically. And then in chapter six, we come to these what Ryan called and wonderfully preached on the spiritual disciplines. These are these outward expressions of our lives that are gonna be there. Jesus begins uh, chapter six with, with the statement, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible right now, where he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them, Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So these practices that we're going through in chapter 6 are going to be done differently than the scribes and the Pharisees were doing them. But, here's the key, they are going to be done. So as we come to chapter 6, I want to show you some of the key terms that are used here. One of the key phrases is when you. It occurs seven times. When you do these things. It's not if you do, it's assuming we will do these things. And Jesus names seven things that we are going to do. And one of those we'll study today. Giving, we will give. Praying, we will pray. Fasting, we will fast. And today, we will assess our treasures. And then the last two are worrying and judging. These are practices that we are not to practice, but we are, instead of worrying, we are to think about things, and we are to think instead of judging, but we've already covered worrying, so we're not gonna cover that, but we are gonna get into this whole idea of treasures. Other words, I want you to notice is he says four times that there's a secret relationship with you and the Father, and Ryan brought that out. We live for an audience of want. We're not performing for any other Christians or religious people. We don't want them to know how much we give, how much we pray, fast, etc. But we want God to see us. And then finally, I want to mention the fact that he says, do not 16 times. (laughs) So this is a big clarification. We're not to do it like 
the Pharisees and the scribes of the day. I love the fact that 12 times he mentions your father. This is a rare religion you and I have, if we can call it a religion. The fact that we have a father. You have a father. That's who God is. So as we come to these and as we come to learning about treasures, the big idea is that these are sometimes things that could be visible and we don't want to be people who are performing for other people. Now in Israel at the time, first century Israel, treasures were a big deal. They took their key from Abraham. Abraham had a lot of wealth. And so the assumption was, if you love God and God is blessing you, you are going to have a lot of wealth, treasures, and all the other people around you are going to notice your wealth. And Jesus counters that and gives us some instruction as to how to approach treasures. So are you ready? Here we go. Verse 19 of chapter 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth or rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then he gives us two illustrations that we'll come around to. One is the eye and the other is masters. In verse 22, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good and your whole body is full of light, but if your eyes are bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Very difficult to understand. Let me explain that in a moment. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So treasures. Toddlers are fun. I have a grandchild who's a toddler right now, and he doesn't always know a true treasure. He's not able to distinguish between something that's glittering, something that's a battery-operated toy, and a dead bug under a rock. To him, they are all treasures. And we laugh at that, and we think, well, he's going to grow up. But you know what? I wonder if God looks at us the same way, that we're not able to distinguish between a true treasure and a fake. And once we decide something's a treasure, we begin to invest all of our time, energy, and money, and build our lives around something that may be a dead bug under a rock. So Jesus, in verse 19, says, don't invest your heart, essentially, in temporal things. His wording is, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. He's distinguishing temporal treasures on earth from eternal treasures in heaven. I want to remind you that this is not a suggestion. This is a command. So we're all in, right? So why is he warning us? 
Well, he's actually not trying to disappoint us. He's not trying to be the killjoy of our lives. He's actually trying to protect us from wasting our lives on the counterfeit, on the disappointing, on the life-wasting things we think are treasures. He goes on to say, again, at the latter end of verse 19, where moth and rust destroy. So moths were a huge problem to Israel because everything was made of wool. And those of you that have any wool clothing, you know moths love to destroy and eat holes in wool clothing. And the word for rust here is actually not rust. It was a very dry climate. The word technically is rot. And it's speaking probably more to dry rot things that just would rot and, and become destroyed. And so Jesus uses those illustrations as things pointing to things that would be a waste of time. These are destroyers. These are things that will eventually decay. And then finally, he gets to things that are stolen, where thieves break in and steal. I've been thinking about this COVID-19 thing and how much of it has stolen away our lives. The way we used to live, the things that we used to do, the things that, the people we used to be with, all of it. It's been a huge thief in the night, but it's been a great reboot to figure out what are the true treasures that I should be investing in now that this burglar COVID has come. The heart is the thing that's tra attracted to the treasures. And I like to say the heart is that wanting muscle in our being. It's always beating. That's the physical heart. But the spiritual heart is that organ that's pointing towards treasures. It always is looking for treasures. And then once it finds a treasure, just like a weather vane locking into a particular direction, it intensifies. And some treasures, our hearts have a small intensity towards them, and other treasures, a huge intensity, almost to the point of addiction. I gotta do it, I gotta have it. And yet, Many times when we finally get whatever that thing has, that has grabbed my heart, it can be whether it's a possession, whether it's a position I needed, whether it's a person I needed to be with or a place I needed to, to go, it can be a mirage. Now, I've never done it, but we've seen movies of people dragging themselves through the desert and they get finally to an oasis that they think isn't an oasis and they find out it's a mirage. It only looks like water and what they're actually doing is eating sand. And what a great picture for a fake treasure, a false treasure. I think of cotton candy. I am so disappointed <laughs> in cotton candy. I love it. It looks so cool. We only see it at fairs, special occasions, and it's this big fluffy thing. And I always think, why not? I mean, it's just once a year. And I get this big fluffy thing and I put some in my mouth. And it's gone like that. 
And it leaves me kind of wanting a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And at the end, I am so thirsty, it feels like it was a huge waste. But it was nice and fun at the time. So another writer, Gerald May, calls these things attachments, which is a good picture for false treasures. Attachments are like octopus. It's these tentacles that wrap themselves around our hearts and they squeeze the daylights out of our hearts uh, and take us away from things that should be true treasures. They suck us dry. So what do we do? Well, rather than just have a defense for these treasures, Jesus gives us the offense. Rather than the break, here's the accelerator pedal. Store up. Store up treasures in heaven. Yeah, why not? A better word, I think, would be, for our culture, invest. Don't invest in bad investments, but invest. Do it. Invest your heart with eternal valuables. Now let's pause and think for a moment. What would be a valuable that you absolutely know you are going to have forever? Well, it's not going to be a lot of things. It's not going to be that car. It's not going to be that house. It's not going to be all those different things. Well, what do I get to take with me to heaven? I get to take the love of God with me to heaven, that relationship, and I get to take the relationships around me that I've established, that I'm loving on, that they're discovering the love of God. It's people. Yeah, people are the ultimate treasure, and the ultimate act of investing is loving on these people. Acts of love. So how do we invest? We invest the same way you invest in anything. Time. Who's got some more time? Well, we actually do right now, often, with this lockdown. But usually, we want to be with people, but we have no time. We want to help them, but we have no time. Energy, that's effort. And money. To divert where the money often goes to, to helping people. Yeah, giving is a great way to establish true treasures in heaven. It's fun to think about these being called what Jesus calls acts of righteousness, where I actually act, and that's the word, poie, in in the Greek, which means doing. You could call them doings of righteousness where I do something for someone else and that's a treasure investment. So Jesus sums this whole thing up in verse 21 by saying, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart is automatically going to turn as you re-decide what your treasure is gonna be. It's great when your treasure and your heart have the same address. Let me say that again. It's wonderful when your treasure and your heart have the same address. Jesus concludes by giving us 
two illustrations, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here. The first illustration is really tough always for me to grasp what he's talking about, where he says the eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eye is good, the whole body is full of light, and so um, it kind of feels like the, the light is coming into your eyes, and then, and then your whole body is illuminated on the inside. Well, without understanding ancient culture, it won't make any sense. So ancient culture believed that if you had a good eye, you were looking at good treasures. Kind of like in baseball, when someone doesn't swing at a bad pitch, we say, good eye, good eye. Well, a good eye is an eye that's looking at good things. A bad eye in the ancient culture was a, an eye that was obsessing with evil things. This becomes clear in 1 John when John says, the lust of the eyes. It's, it's looking where you shouldn't be looking. And then the second illustration is the master. And I always think of the idea of having two masters, trying to please two different people. That would be horrible. Uh, both in water skiing and snow skiing, you can picture uh, a, a learner, a neophyte, trying to keep their skis together, and the skis begin to go apart, and you, we all know what's going to happen. They're going to fall. You cannot do it. And yet, we often try to prove Jesus wrong. Jesus, I'm the one guy that can serve these two things, and it ends up ripping our hearts apart. We should have one address where our treasures and our heart abide. So Jesus says through those two illustrations, no can do, you cannot do it. And that brings us to decision time. Folks, it's decision time. We've been in this COVID thing for almost three months. It's decision time. What are the treasures? What are we gonna decide? What is truly, truly important in life? What do I wanna build my life around? It's payday and it's time to decide. First Timothy gives us a great summary because I don't know about you, I feel like I'm a very wealthy person. I got two cars that are nice, they run, give me where I wanna go, I have a wonderful house, I, I have a lot of things, but are they treasures? So, because we are wealthy people, listen to this command from Paul to Timothy. It's found in 1 Timothy 6.17. Command those who are rich in this present world. That's us. If you're an American, you're rich compared to the rest of the world. What's the command? not to be arrogant or to put hope in wealth. So we don't put our pride or our trust in what we own, but what do we do? He says, hope in God who provides richly for us, for us to enjoy. So thank you, God, these things have come from you. I keep a light hand, I keep an open hand. I never close my fist and say, mine, my precious but I leave an open hand, it's God's, and I just thank him for it. But now listen to the rest of it. Command those same people to do good. That's acts of righteousness. To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. 
in this way, they will lay up, here's the word, treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Yeah, what great advice to pull this all together. God has blessed you with these small T treasures. They're not your true capital T treasures. But let's now be people in this spiritual discipline who take stock of what we have, where we go, what we do, and we begin to build our lives around true treasures, begin to do good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. I'm reminded of the great example of Jesus and how he did that for his friends, you and me. The cross was God's greatest expression of what he treasures, and it's you. And he invested big time in you, didn't he? He gave. And now he says, tag, you're it. It's your turn. It's time to invest in others. C.S. Lewis summed this all up by saying, it's not that we want too much. He says, we don't want enough. We, we should want more, but we should want more of the right things. So God isn't a killjoy saying, stop wanting, stop wanting. He's saying, no, want, desire, but desire the best things, the true treasures. So Lewis says in his sermon of, called the, the Weight of Glory, he says, we're like children that have spent our lives making mud pies in the slum when all the while we were offered a tropical trip to Tahiti. But we didn't know what Tahiti was, so we preferred to make mud pies in the slum. It's time to give our heart and the treasure the same address. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this day that you are knitting our hearts to true treasures and you're using this experience and we pray with all of our hearts that we would emerge from this COVID encounter having re-decided, re-radicalized our lives according to true treasures. Open our eyes to see the people around us that need our love and our service and our gifts. Open our hands, open our hearts to make these true treasures. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're gonna continue in our treasure hunting and I've asked uh, Jeff Moore and Jennifer All if they would join me uh, as we think about what are our treasures and, and how do we rearrange our lives, particularly in this COVID season. Uh, Jeff and Jennifer, it's great to see you guys. Uh, I would love to hear about your journeys. Jeff, tell me what your journey has been because you're kind of this business guy that I think is, has had a little bit of the jungle uh, and some maybe fake treasures thrown at you. Yeah, that's a... That's an interesting and I think even applicable word, Mark, when you say fake treasures. Probably the fake treasure that really choked me for a long time uh, was results. That was my treasure, that focusing in on results. So it's, it's a bit of a deceptive treasure. 
because you could look at it pragmatically and just say, well, you know, hey, I'm accountable and responsible for results. But what the results did is it fueled um, kind of a false uh, narrative in my heart. And it began to affirm me in certain ways. You got the accolades, you got the praise, you had the affirmation, um, yet um, I found that um, being result-oriented wasn't necessarily aligned with what God desired. And it took me a long time to discover that. You almost sound like a Pharisee that instead of pleasing the religious community, uh, you were pleasing the business community with, yeah. you, with your results, and that was becoming an attachment uh, to your heart. I want to hear how, how do you resolve that though? I mean, because you still have to, I mean, even in my world, there needs to be results. How do, how do you resolve that? Yeah, that's a good question, Mark. I think um, the turning point for me was coming across the one passage that is written the most about, or I guess you could say rewritten, um, more than any other passage in the writers of the Bible. And that was Exodus uh, 34, um, 6, when the Lord passed by Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, um, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgressions, yet not letting the uh, guilty go unpunished. That was a big turning point in my thought process because what I saw was in the same way I was driving for results, in essence, I was attaching that to my relationship with the Lord. Yet that passage just hit me right between the eyes of saying, Jeff, God is not desiring these results from you. You're not going to get his accolades. You're not going to get his praise. You're not going to get his affirmation. So that's almost turning the Lord from being a taskmaster uh, into a loving father that is, is not driving you. Jennifer, I want to bring you into the conversation here and, and ask you uh, the same question, but also what are you discovering to be your ultimate treasures? Oh man, my struggle with this has been similar to Jeff's, only in a different language. I, not being a business person myself, I don't re- connect with the result language, I collect with the I connect with the accolades and the achievement language. That has been the false treasure that I think has been a stumbling block for me. And I it takes a while to realize that that's been a treasure that I've been seeking after and it's been a fake treasure. Are we talking about the approval of men? Is we are that kind of what definitely we're talking, talking about? about the approval of people. Yes, it's so easy. If I was um, a high achiever growing up, I just did well at things. And next thing you know, you start to just connect your identity with that. And you are building up accolades. You're building up achievements. You're starting to, I've got to go to a good school or I have to have a good title or I have to, you're accumulating this treasure, but it doesn't really have any value in and of itself. It's just man's approval. It's just people's opinions. It's what the world values. And when you can't keep up with that, that's when 
the fakeness of that treasure is revealed. It's a killer. It's, it's an absolute suffocating attachment killer. Attachment uh, killer. And it, yeah. when you can't keep up with your performance, when you can't perform at a high level 24-7, which none of us can, all of that gets stripped away. And then you're left with, wow, where have I been putting my emphasis? Where have I been putting my value? Where have I been so where, my where, worth? So where are you putting your emphasis now? What are your treasures? My value, my worth is not in my performance. It's not in how, what people think of me. It's what God thinks of me. And the greatest treasure is me building my relationship with him, my heart being transformed, um, my heart finding kindness and compassion and empathy for others, for myself. And God's given you uh, a new treasure this last yes. uh, couple of years, huh? Yes, the birth of my daughter. She is awesome yeah. and definitely a treasure. Um, and I think that every working parent feels that revelation of, oh my goodness, this is a huge treasure. And investing in my children, my child, my marriage, my family is definitely a worthwhile investments. Jeff, this what about you? Uh, you know, you've actually gone through a huge uh, switch with uh, re moving from the business world into to the church world, even though you're still in the business track. Um, what are your treasures? And, and are there any changes that are coming out of this COVID lockdown? Yeah, great question, Mark. I would say that, yeah, my, my uh, my life is God's just turned it upside down. And I think um, the greatest treasure that I'm valuing the most, I would have to say, is the simplicity of a quiet time. The simplicity of, of each day opening my Bible, the simplicity of prayer. Um, and believe me, I it's taken me, I mean, like I said, I'm embarrassed to say, it's taken me years to make that a priority. So for so many years, you know, results were the priority, you know, up at 5.30, working all day, uh, sending emails at two in the morning, um, because that was, that was what was giving me the accolades and the praise. Yet God says, you know, I just want time with you. Um, James 4, 8, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So I think it's, uh, it's starting with the simplicity of quiet, a quiet time with the Lord. I just have a couple more minutes with you guys, and I want to ask you, uh, because uh, our viewers want to know, how do you invest in treasures? How do you, how do you make that transaction? Because it, it really is a, a discipline. Uh, you don't just wake up automatically, and there's gold on the ground. You, you have to invest in the treasure. How do you do that, Jennifer? Something that I've found to be helpful for myself is I've decided what are worthwhile treasures. So that was the first thing. My family is a worthwhile treasure. The work I do for the kingdom is a worthwhile treasure. And once I've surrounded myself and, and determined what is valuable treasure in my life, then I give myself permission to be fully present in investing in those treasures when I'm with those in those arenas. I like that fully present. We've all experienced the Hollywood handshake where they're looking over your shoulder at someone else that's more important than well, you that they need to invest in. it also resolves the guilt. 
Because I yes. think a lot of working parents feel guilty that you're not investing here when you're investing over here and vice versa. And you have to give yourself permission to be fully present. Fully present. Jeff? I would say similar to Jen, just kind of three areas that I've really tried to focus in and been disciplined on. Number one would just be daily time with the Lord, opening my Bible, having prayer time with Him, um, time with my family, making that a priority throughout the week, um, having specific time with my wife, specific time with, with each one of our kids, and then specific time with the community, um, you know, investing into those relationships, whether it's the church community or it could just even be my community that I go grab a coffee or go grab lunch. So I would say those are the three areas of discipline that uh, for me is trying to implement so that it keeps my my heart focused in the right direction of the things that matter versus uh, the things that don't. So good, you guys. I, th- I think it's so wonderful to actually think of one of the spiritual disciplines being treasure hunting and assessing constantly what the true treasures are. Thanks, you guys. Hey, as we go back to worship, let's think about the ancient word worth Skype, from which our word comes from. It means to value, to treasure. And when we're worshiping, we're expressing in real time Jesus as our treasure. Now have a home. 
Now may the great treasure hunting guide, Jesus Christ, take you now, this week, into a reassessment of your life. May he give you the wisdom to know what is a treasure and what isn't a treasure, and how much intensity and how much time should we be putting on these things. And may God reignite our hearts to come aflame for him and for people and for others. May he pull our hearts and our treasure together into one address. I pray that for you and me in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.